Welcome to the first Amazing Race 27 recap episode of the UR Team Number Podcast. My name is Michael Armstone, and as always, joining me is the Canadian who got all of James's guitars in exchange for handing over his puzzles, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. And the Australian who makes sure I always to do her makeup before podcasting with us, Michelle Face Denovan. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. And you can tweet us, as always, using the hashtag Yattencast, or email us at yattencast at gmail.com. So, we had a really long layover between seasons here. The whole 36 hours? Yeah, exactly, 36 hours. Because Logan, me and Ben all recorded the Canada finale podcast, well, yesterday morning for me. So, yeah, we have a brilliant turnaround here. It's good, you don't get bored. It's it's just, it's great. My favourite show just keeps coming back on. Yeah, but it's a little bit stressful when you've got to do notes, record, edit, <laughs> notes, record, then edit. Which is basically my weekend, from Friday to Sunday. <laughs> Fine. No time for Splatoon, in other words. I haven't actually turned on Splatoon in about a week, <laughs> because I've just been doing podcast stuff, basically. So what did we think of the first episode? I liked it. They did a lot of stuff, so it wasn't too boring, but um, yeah, you don't get to know much about the people yet. It annoys me that we basically only had one task, again, second season on the trot, where it's just literally just been one task, and then a pit stop. I prefer this premiere over last year's premiere, though, by quite a wide margin, though. Yeah, it's nice to see the return of the first leg fast-forward, but it was a complete dud. Yeah, it was like, pretty much, well, they did a similar fast-forward just a few seasons earlier in season 23 when they redid the the tower in Vienna there, the Donatrium or whatever the hell they call it. And same result where the team just, just couldn't do it because it was too windy. So we started in Venice Beach. Which was mentioned for about two seconds, I think. At least the, at least... It's almost like an inside joke now where they film, they have the starting line in California so many times, especially around Los Angeles, that Phil doesn't bother making it sound like it's a new location at all. Like before, they would hop from LA to Beverly Hills to the Santa Monica Pier, and then Phil would have some long introductions for each one. This time, it's like, yeah, you guys know this is just pretty much Los Angeles. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to try and lie to you this time. Doesn't Philly usually at least try and sugarcoat it slightly? He does, but this is the first, I think this is the first time where he's like, yeah, you, you, you guys are smart, you, you're, I'm not going to BS you. Cue the surfer music and let's just introduce the goddamn teams. And we started with Justin and Diana. Woohoo! I know Justin will be listening, so we're not going to be mean about you, Justin. He's an asshole! He's an asshole! He cries too much! <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's great. I would I'm just loving that he's so emotional about it all. I mean, I remember when all the viral video came out, how big a fan he is. I mean, they are pre they're probably the biggest super fans we've ever had on the race. Did they try CrossFit though before going on the show? That, that that's the that's the difference right there. The Dennis and Isabel marker. Yes. <laughs> you must be above this line to race. Uh, and then we get Tanner and Josh, who are flirtatious. It's another one of those really creepy words that appears in the bio. Flirtatious. Oh, dear. It's not as bad as seductive, but it's it's up there. Team Texas might be one of the worst hashtags they come up with in this little stretch. It is one of the worst hashtags we've ever seen, but also I don't actively root against them. They are not... The Volda Mussolinis. They actually seem to have some sort of personality. And another thing that oh, they, they dropped have personality. Out is, yeah, unlike the Volda Mussolinis, who are just awful. Still annoyed. <laughs> it's only been two days for you, Michael. We'll give you one more week, and then you'll probably be recovered by then. Be recovered from the Amazing Race Canada finale. But yeah, another thing I noticed with this intro is that 
usually Phil introduces each team and their relationship, like saying, oh, Monica Arncherie, uh, you know, NFL house or NFL wives. With uh, with this, it's just complete silence for Phil. We just cut from team to team to team as if they want to try and cram as much as possible into these 40 minutes. And they really didn't, though. That's the thing. Uh, so next was Alex and Adam, who are dwarves, but it won't be uh, a disadvantage for them. The wrestler and the choir the choir kid, is that pretty much what we're... The, the choir man? Theater geek is, I think, the term he used. Uh, and then we get the Cool Karma Collective, Cindy and Rick. I'm already, I'm already hitting the, ha- the Chack Attack uh, hashtag already. Oh, God, yes. It sounds like a kid's game show. Like, I'm expecting the, like Vince Yahoo from Uh-Oh to emerge every time that uh, they say Chack Attack. Chack Attack now! Yes, they're Pokemon. Do a slide puzzle! It's not very effective. <laughs> and then we get Denise and James, and she wants to be his hero again. You know what just came to mind? Is that what their photos of being in Toy Kwon Do together? I had flashbacks to Buster and Lucille Bluth from our <laughs> yes. <best of> development. <laughs> That's all I was thinking about the whole episode. Like, when is the episode where James Earl loses one of his hands? <laughs> from a Lucille. <laughs> it makes it funnier that uh, Kelly and Siobhan said that they had a Norman Bates and his mother thing going on, and then you consider that, you know, that whole storyline in Arrested Development is basically Mother Boy. And Jasmine and Danielle, who are record breakers. Oh, yeah, those headbands. Those things on their heads. They very nearly won the leg as well. I know. They were very close. Well, they were probably not that close because Tanner and Josh ran for it. But and I don't think that'll be the it'll be a one time deal. I have a feeling they're going to cling to the top of the standings quite a bit. They seem sharp overall. They're certainly better than uh, certain other female female teams this season. Yes, Logan and Chris, who are not celebrity obsessed, but as we've previously established, she is obsessed with paddleboarding in her backyard canals and inviting Chris to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the... she listened to our podcast. By the way, she listened to our podcast and thought we were crazy with the discussion about paddleboarding in our backyard canals. Yeah, I was gonna say. May I point out that actually, I know she listened to our preview, so I have to keep referencing that now. It's gonna become a recurring joke, especially if she actually mentions it in an episode, so that I don't have to shoehorn it in. What I like about them overall, just judging from this episode alone, is that they don't come off like the paparazzi stereotype that you think where they're super celebrity obsessive and really try to just invade their their privacy and you know just try to cash in on it they seem to be more like friends with them yeah they're high-fiving kanye west i think it's because she's good looking that's why they're friends with kanye (laughs) it's not some bearded guy hanging in the bushes and we have Tiffany and Krista next, and don't let the ETA leader imp- impression fool you. What was with the flipping hair photos? They, do, do the producers know that that's not their job at all anymore? They have actual real jobs since their uh, cheerleading days? That One is a speech therapist, and the other has... What is it, some pharmaceutical job? She's basically a pharma sales rep. She... But I guess those photos from those professions are a lot less interesting than cheerleading, so... I guess I can kind of see the uh, the point from uh, the production's view. But also, we need to talk about the 
titles shot for Tiffany and Krista eventually as well. Because we discussed a couple of days ago on the Canada recap about how awesome Michelle and Joe's intro shot is. Still my favourite of all time. With confetti cannons. But Tiffany and Krista have an amazing one as well. They don't just have the head turn, which I always look out for in a new season. They have a simultaneous body turn and hair flip. Dear that scores God. a lot of points. It does. Oh, what? What do you mean it scores a lot of points? It is just so stereotypical. It's like, oh, stop it. <laughs> in title, <laughs> shot, title shot bingo, you need to have that sort of stuff in there. Especially the equivalent <laughs> of a free space. If I ever, ever got on and was asked to do that damn hair flick, I think I would scream <laughs> at somebody. Logan, you know damn well if you get on talk, I will expect at least a head flick. <laughs> if not, a bun flick. <laughs> yeah, if not, I want a, a full body turn and hair flick. <laughs> I will do a head turn and then I'll flip off the camera. That'll be my intro. <laughs> yes. I want to see someone in an intro shot, just just give them the finger. So next up were Kelsey and Joey, and they are dating news anchors, and they get the traditional, is there more to this relationship edit? Which disappoints me, because I think there could be a fun team if they weren't bogged down by that stupid edit. Coming up, nobody cares about this storyline. Yeah, I love how his voice completely changed, though. It just shows how fake those voices are. How toe just, it's, they're not even being real people at that point when they pull out the whole reporter voice. And Kelly and Siobhan were next. Team TMZ. And apparently they're truth tellers? I don't know about that. I don't know, I don't think they tell much of anything. Judging from their clip, all they talk about is the Kardashians, and that's as far as their thought process goes. And finally, Ernest and Jin, who are homeless. But yet don't know what a favela is. And also seems to be the only team who don't know what Rio has a very famous statue called Christ the Redeemer. Good thing they wrote it down. Uh, so once teams leave the start line, they have to catch a cab to Mother's Beach, I believe, which would be great for Denise and James, and compete in a bike race. The first team to find Phil at the end of the bike race will get the young tickets on the early flight to Rio, and the others will arrive 30 minutes later. Only it's a bike race on water. 30 minute head start is very small. I was... I think we covered this on the preview, but I thought it was going to be larger, so there's more of an incentive to be on a flight by yourself, because as soon as I heard it was 30 minutes, I was thinking, wow, I would really throw the aqua bike race, because any sort of minor delay, and suddenly you are in dead last, and the whole goal of the amazing race is to not be eliminated. It's not a finishing anywhere between first and 10 is your goal. The only goal you, the only other goal you have is to avoid a, Dead last. Mm. And also, we'll get to this, but when they stupidly introduce the double express pass again, it's actually a disadvantage to be on the first flight on your own, because you are the only team that no one else is going to have communicated with, if all goes well. Oh yeah, that's a good point too, because the first flight is when everybody gets to know each other. That's that's when 99% of the bonds are formed on the Amazing Race. Exactly. It works out better for them that they that their flight was basically delayed, and also that the fast forward wasn't available because now they have a chance to actually maybe get not really the second express pass but the relay express pass eventually but if they would have been on their own and won the express pass how would they know which team to give it to would be my argument and also they'd be a huge target for Ethan which is blatantly going to appear before the end of like 5 yeah there was pretty much just yeah, it was all like risk it. and no reward. There was all it was all risk and no reward with uh, being on that first flight. Yeah. What were you going to say, Michelle? They won't get a huge fan now though. It's not as though they did extremely well. Oh no. 
didn't even affect them. There won't be a target for a U-turn, but also if they had have got the first flight and shown... I'm quite surprised that Justin and Diana won the bike race, may I point out. I'm pleasantly surprised because I was rooting for them, but I'm quite surprised they did win it. But they would have been a huge target for a U-turn if Justin had shown his physical prowess and then they'd have beast-moted through a fast-forward. I'm curious if they just put everything into that first Aqua bike race and wonder if that was just... That's got to be just pure adrenaline that propelled them to the front because there's other teams that seem to be more physically fit than them overall. Yeah, no offence to Justin and Diana, but they both have reasonably sedentary jobs. Justin's a radio producer, she's an elementary school teacher. Neither of them I would put at the top of the physical rankings of the season, because that would probably be, well, Ernest and Jin or Tanner and Josh, I'd guess. No, but Michael, when you're a teacher, you're, you're up all day. You don't sit down. I know, but I mean, that's why I said reasonably sedentary. Okay. Because you're not going to be able to compete with the physical level of, say, a pair of cheerleaders, or two dudes who look like they go to the gym every day. I am by no means slagging off teachers, Michelle, because you would punch me in the face if I did that. Oh, yeah, I'd get that. <laughs> and also, apparently, the Express Pass is still a thing, for some reason. We will get to this, because I know everyone's expecting a rant from me for the return of the kind of double Express Pass, I suppose. But, yeah, you're in my bad books, CBS again. Uh, and Tanner and Josh's bike breaks, because they... Overexerted, basically. <laughs> they just want to be. Yeah, I've got, no, I've got no other notes on it other than the whole beefcake thing, but it's really hilarious. I love that Phil at the end basically said, How did you break it? Did you just break it with your muscles? I think Phil was pleasantly surprised, given that he's a cyclist. <laughs> and in the titles, Kelly and Siobhan get a head turn, and as I mentioned, Tiffany and Krista have a full body hair switch, which is may- maybe the greatest thing we've seen in the titles for a while. And can I also say, um, Kelly and Siobhan, it was literally two minutes into the race, and this is something that really gets me, being an Australian, I don't know, just being me, they said, we got this. We got this. This is one of my most hated phrases in this show. We got this. You got this. I got this. And then Justin said it literally a minute later on the bike, and I'm like, oh, here it comes. It's starting again. We get to talk smacker and keep running now. I did like the new um, aeroplane logo thing under the uh, placings and the names. It's not the graphic change I was expecting because everyone was freaking out during the off-season about, oh no, they're changing the titles again. No, they're not. They wouldn't do that, especially not a massive change like they were doing. I like how the first introduction to Danielle, when they find out that they're going to Rio, is just her saying, oh, I want men. That's got to be a one-of-a-kind <laughs> introduction for any of the racers, I think, at the start of the season. So it's like, huh. First thing we learn about Danielle, track star, and she wants men. I just really need to get some. So Justin and Diana are the only ones on the first flight, with Denise and James coming in second, Kelly and Siobhan in third, Jasmine and Danielle, then Kelsey and Joey, Cindy and Rick, Tiffany and Krista, Logan and Chris, Alex and Adam, Ernest and Jin, and then Tanner and Josh. I'm amazed that we already that usually it's either self-drive to the airport 90% of the time, or it's taking the bus in that one rare exception or a train. But here we get cabs right at the starting line to the aqua bikes and then to the airport. It would be funny if a, if a taxi driver got lost on the way to the aqua bike thing about two minute uh, drive away. That would have been great. Yeah, we don't even get an impressive vehicle because it's another one of my favorite things to talk about in a first episode recap is how they got to the uh, start line. Oh yeah, they just, they're all just running. Yeah, Canada's had badass ones because we had the, the jet boat then the Ice Explorer, which are really cool, have been a one. And 
then it was horse-drawn carriages this year. And we've also had uh, helicopters in other seasons as well, uh, dropping teams off or big buses. But this was just like, oh, they're somehow running on sand. How did they get there? <laughs> Even a, we had like four by fours in Australia, I think, last season. Yes, we did. And the helicopters were just amazing. It was like 11 of them just coming across the Sydney skyline. <laughs> yes, that was, that was that was awesome, actually. I forgot about that. Uh, and Kelly and Siobhan talk way too much smack about everyone else. The smack they talk isn't even that funny. Like, they, they couldn't come up with anything witty or clever to say. It was like, oh, are, are you guys putting any thought into anything that comes out of your mouth? But it does, of course, lead to us getting to see Tiffany and Krista just going, Rio! And it being awesome. And once teams land, they have to find the Lagoa helipad to find the next clue. And Justin down his lead is eradicated because of flight delays. So that was a great twist, guys. And once they get to the helipad, they have the choice of either an active route info or a fast forward for the first time in 23 seasons. And the fast forward is to take a hand glider trip over Rio to get the fast forward. And it's weather dependent, which whenever you see the words it's weather dependent read out on a clue, you know that no team is going to be able to get it because the wind will call it off. It's only fitting that, it, that the task was called Leap of Faith. And also, what is it with fast-forward clues telling you what it is? The whole point of it is them being sent to a random club and then finding the clue outside and it's saying, oh, by the way, you're hand gliding. They give them the weather-dependent clue and that is it, normally. This is the first time I've ever seen a fast-forward where they've actually said, oh, by the way, it's this. Well, because the gamble's already implied in the clue. Yeah, but the, the gamble is them saying, go to the flight club in Portuguese so that they don't actually know it's a flight club. Oh, by the way, it's weather dependent. I hear that the first rule of flight club is that you don't talk about flight club. I'm going to be a pilot today, but by the way, we can't fly. Yeah, I know. What was all that about? That was just silly. (laughs) Why is he hanging out there then if he can't fly? Does he have nowhere else to go in Rio? He was such a troll. (laughs) He went went out to meet them and went, I'm going to be a pilot today, but we're not flying. <laughs> Bye. Screw you guys, I'm going home. <laughs> and Justin and Diana obviously follow the super wacky rules, and if you're in first, go for the fast forward, but it's called off. And then they spend all their money on the cab back. Yeah, that seemed like a long taxi ride from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill. They didn't actually tell us how much money they got as well. No. I'm guessing it's got to be a lot less than the Canadian race, considering the Canadian race to get like $500 or so each leg. It's uh, nice to go back to the American version where you really have to save your money as you go, and clearly uh, this leg didn't really give teams a lot of money to work with. So the teams who take the active route info have to... uh take a helicopter trip over Rio past the Chrysler Redeemer statue, and once they land, they have to answer the question, what is the name of the statue you passed? So you see the next clue. And there's literally nothing that happens apart from Ernest and Jin maybe getting it wrong. But they don't. But they don't, because they wrote down the name of every single uh, landmark, just in case. So cute. And the detour is sand or sidewalk. And in sand, teams must, must play a version of football on a beach called footvolley against a pair of professionals. If they score six points before the pros score 18, whilst being able to use their hands unlike the pros, they receive their next clue. And in sidewalk, teams must uh, complete a slide puzzle to recreate the pavement under their feet. What was with Krista carrying the neck brace with her into Rio? Wouldn't that be Yes, away? and what was, what was it with the, um, uh, the camera just straight onto it? I'm thinking, oh, that's going to be nice and filthy after just one day. 
Yeah, I was wondering about that, because surely you would deflate it and put it in your bag. And another funny Tiffany and Krista moment was way back when they did the aqua bikes, and I think it was Krista who just completely crashes into the, into the pier, trying to get up onto the platform. I think a couple people uh, did that. There were so, so awesome. many good falls. Yeah. Alex and Adam had one. Uh, <laughs> Ernest, and, well, Jin actually jumps in. Like, he didn't even try and jump onto the pier, he just jumped into the water. It's sadly the sort of thing I can't screen cap, because it's more of a GIF thing. But, oh, it was good. And Denise and James obviously pick the uh, slide puzzle, because most kids got guitars, and James got puzzles. That was his treat at the end of the day. You know what? Slide puzzles are my downfall. I can't do them to save my life, and I'm no good at beach volleyball. So I would be in one of those dire situations where it's just worse upon worse. I just wouldn't know what to do. Depends on your partner. If it was a roadblock, then you'd be screwed. But if you were with your partner, as long as they were decent at either of the things, you'd be fine. In that case, you'd probably pick the slide puzzle, actually, because it's the sort of thing one person can do. I'm really good at serving in volleyball. Not good at much else when it comes to the sport, though. And also, puzzles is a place where people go to feel like they belong. Wonder if wonder if Denise made James do uh, puzzles at night because she really wanted to train her child to be uh, just naturally good at survivor challenges. Yeah, Survivor does love a good slide puzzle. I know how to do slide puzzles, I'm just naff at them. I've never completed one. That's how bad I am. The satisfaction of when you complete a slide puzzle is is infinite. It depends if when you complete the slide puzzle, it then releases a machete which you use to chop a rope. (laughs) Which is usually how it works in Survivor. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so Kelly and Siobhan are the first to switch from San and Tiffany and Krista get dropped off at the too early on the Copacabana beach. Who knew that a that a beach in Rio of all cities would end up being a really long one? And in fact it was so long that while running they ran into the girl from Ipanema all the way from back in season two of the Amazing Race. <laughs> I mean she's like eighty years old now, but she was just she was just lying there. Same spot. Bit sunburned but might I add. They ran into Zev and Justin, who were still getting waxed. Oh, Kelly Clarkson. The one time I've ever liked Zev and Justin was when Justin turned around and said, will I get a penalty if I punch you in the face? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Um, And uh, Kelsey and Joey switched to sand. And Tiffany and Krista complained about not being able to do sand because they're five foot nothing right after Alex and Adam complete it. Yeah, that was sort of bad timing on their part. Awkward. It's like they didn't even notice that Alex and Adam are there. Maybe they don't think they're competitors. Maybe they just think they're part of the crew. Stuntmen. And Justin and Diana switched to sand as well. And Tiffany's never lost at anything. Oh, okay, okay. I know Tiffany, there's an off chance that she listens to this podcast because I know how active her and Chris are on social media. So to ensure that Tiffany has lost at something, Tiffany, you have just lost the game. <gasps> you bastard. Yes. So the game, for anyone who doesn't know, is that if you think about the game, that means you lost the game and you have to announce that you lost the game. So for the rest of your life, Tiffany, you are playing the game. And any time you think about it, you've lost it. So you have lost <laughs> at something now. <laughs> what is that bizarre thinking? <laughs> have you never heard of the game before, Michelle? Never heard of it. The, the rule for it, it finishing is the Prime Minister or President has to go on television and say the game is over, and then everyone is free. And if Kelly and Tavon went out 
not in 11th place, it'd be open season at work. They like the attention anyway, so it doesn't matter to them. And Tanner and Josh are the first to leave Sand, with Jasmine and Danielle in second, Denise and James leaving Sidewalk in third, Cindy and Rick leaving Sidewalk in fourth, Logan and Chris leaving Sand in fifth, Alex and Adam leaving Sand in sixth, Kelsey and Joey leaving Sand in seventh, Ernest and Jen in eighth, Justin and Diana in ninth, and Tiffany and Krista leaving Sidewalk in 10th. And the pit stop is the Alpador Lookout, the last team to check in here, may be eliminated. You know what disappointed me about the episode is that when they're all taking the chopper to, uh, and during Rio to the Christ the Redeemer, yeah. And you know how Justin has a pretty strong New York accent at times. I really want him to say to get to the chopper in his, uh, New York accent. That, that would have, that would have made my day. Get to the chopper. That's I don't think that's quite a New York accent. <laughs> that sounds like my uh, Bethany Hamilton uh, impression. Your hair impression, Logan? Bethany Hamilton. Michelle, we've not heard you do a Bethany Hamilton impression, actually, have we? I can't. I don't. I can't do it. Logan's. Logan's you don't talk in inflections. Oh, yeah, well, Australians only talk in inflections, but you, you do this weird thing with every word. You go up and down three times in it, the word. It's like a carousel. Oh, my God. You know, carousel. Um, oh, who's that group I'm thinking of, Michael? The group I was telling you about a while ago, that terrible Canadian boy band. Brat Pack, Logan. Yes, with, Brat three Pack, T's. with three T's. With three T's, Brat Pack. That's the group we were thinking of. Yeah, if, if you're not aware of their work, uh, Google Brat Pack with three Cs, uh, Carousel, and also Google B44, Get Down, because that's an awesome Canadian song as well. I believe both videos will be in the video description below for this podcast. <laughs> yes, they will, because I love linking to them. Um, can I say that uh, you get a new swimming costume, you get a new swimming costume, you get a new swimming costume. New swimming costumes for all! <laughs> that, that's the other thing that bugged me about the episode, is that they're all saying, oh, these are short shorts, you know, these outfits are really small. But it's like, just watch an episode of Big Brother Canada, and you'll get a whole new definition of what a small outfit is. So, in first place is Tanner and Josh, and they get the Express Pass, yay! Woohoo! With the new rules! which they have to use before the end of the fifth leg, and then hand it off to another team as soon as they've used it. That team then has to use the Express Pass themselves within one leg. So complicated. But I don't hate the rule as much as I could. It's not as bad as the other two versions of the Express Pass. This is like a interesting twist to see, like, is it gonna is it gonna be an ongoing chain that goes on until the eighth or ninth leg where you just keep handing it off to another team, or or is it just really just gonna be oh you hand it off to another team they use it the following leg and then that's it for the express pass all season? I mean, yes, it still adheres to the one most hated rule ever, which is forcing alliances onto the Amazing Race when it doesn't need an alliance because it's just two people trying to work together. I don't hate it as much as I hate the Double Express Pass because at least there is some strategy involved. There is strategy from Tanner and Josh potentially in deciding A, when to use the Express Pass and B, who to give it to and also forcing that team to then have to use it on the next leg. Because what I would do is use the Express Pass early on in a leg and then give it to the team who's going to come in last and get it eliminated. Because they have to use it the next leg, but if they're not in the next leg, there's no Express Pass to use. That's sneaky. Yeah, but also I'm a diabolical bastard, so, you know, they're probably not going to think of that. But maybe they're only allowed to uh, give it to Phil and then Phil hands it on to the next people after the mat, so you wouldn't be able to do it in the same leg. Yeah, I've got a feeling it's handed off at the start of the next leg. 
we'll see because if Phil has to hand it off in a similar style to Grant Bowler from Amazing Race Australia versus New Zealand, then you can still just try and have a logical guess of who's going to come in last in the leg and then tell him to hand it to them. Mm. Uh, second is Jasmine and Danielle with Cindy and Rick in third and Denise and James in fourth. And she even put lipstick on for Phil to make sure the pink was still represented. I know, I wrote a note about that. I thought you might, Michelle. <laughs> Go on, <laughs> begin your rant. I just can't, <laughs> I just, I don't understand. Did they stop halfway down so she could get it out of her bag? I mean, seriously, you couldn't even tell that she'd put lipstick on. Okay, finished. <laughs> May I remind you that when we were doing the preview, we did point out that she said the most important thing in her bag was her lipstick, and the one thing that she would not be able to race without. I can tell you now that if I'm ever on the race, I look like a wreck at the end of a leg. When I do them around Sydney, I look like a drowned rat who's been sweating and disgusting. And, yep, I'm not going to be any poster girl like she's trying to be. <laughs> she's just trying to be presentable, Michelle. You can't blame her. Uh, yes, okay, continue. Anyone surprised by the USA chant by Logan and Chris after quote-unquote winning a game of volleyball after losing 17-6, to six, uh, I presume? Yeah, that that made some people hate them, I think. You know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I still like them quite a bit, but you know what makes the volleyball task even better is if on the other court, Shola and Dwayne are playing with their hands and feet against a, a group of volleyball players from Brazil. That'd be, you know, they can just keep going with these old school references, like the starting line had Robin Brennan, and then this task, you know, was straight out of the Amazing Race 2, and they could just have Shola and Dwayne there saying, oh, hey guys, you know, uh, you know, hopefully our foot doesn't get rolled over again, and then just keep on playing. Yeah, I thought they were trying to go for old school vibes rather than, you know, bringing back the worst twists they've ever done in the Double Express. And instead of everybody hitting on the pit stop greeter at the pit stop, they could have just switched out the pit stop greeter for Fat Maria, and we have another Amazing Race 2 reference right there. Yeah, I I love the fact that every male-male team basically said, oh my god, she's hot. She was gorgeous. Yeah, but Phil was trying to continue the blind date theme and tried to set them up, I think. <laughs> He's going to ask at every subsequent pit stop if the all-male teams have a connection with the pit stop greeter. Is that what Phil's going to do this season? No, what he wants to do is get all-female greeters and get them to hand out roses to every team that survives. <laughs> Crossover. In the case of this leg, when the 10th place team, Tiffany and Chris, to check in, Phil has to say, this is the final rose. <laughs> My limited bachelor knowledge there. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. So, sixth was Alex and Adam, seventh was Ernest and Jin, eighth was Kelsey and Joey, ninth was Justin and Dana, and as I mentioned, tenth was Tiffany and Krista, making Kelly and Siobhan uh, our first team eliminated of the season. But at least they finished the detour just as Phil got there. Was Phil already on his way, or did he wait till after they finished to uh, storm the beach? Well, didn't Tanner and Josh find out it was like, it was two kilometres down the road, I think. So, Phil probably just heard that they were finishing up and went because it would have only been like a five minute drive for him. Well, it humiliates them that much more to for Phil to basically go over and eliminate you because then it means that you didn't even make it to the pit stop. Phil can just say, oh, by the way, guys, um, you couldn't even finish the first leg of the Amazing Race. At least Adrian had the excuse of having the fear of the wire and, uh, he, and him being too big for it or... Bilal and Saeed and uh, Eric and Lisa being screwed over by ridiculous production twists. But here you have uh, Kelly and Siobhan that only lost because of how much they suck. 
You suck. So, are we going to miss Kelly and Siobhan? No! Probably the Actually, most they probably would have been good entertainment. We did say that they would be a very early boot in the preview. Yeah, because they weren't even... The thing is, is that with their job, they're just sitting around all day, you know, just talking about the latest Instagram picture involving the Kardashian, and that's that's the extent of their conversation and the skill set that you have during the day, so... When you go on something like the race, you have to have a lot of diverse skills and thinking and being physically fit, and, you know, they they didn't cover any of that. And also, just going back to the Tanner and Josh, whether they'll actually be strategic discussion, they've never seen the race before. They were recruited on Facebook. Have you not heard this story? We didn't even know this for the preview. Uh, yeah, it came out a couple of days ago. They were contacted out of the blue by a casting director on Facebook. Well, like, like what? Saying, like, oh, you guys look like studs. And the first leg is in Rio. Do you want to be on the Amazing Race? Yeah, pretty much. They had to do a really crap video. They had to fill in all the forms and pretend they were applying, basically. But, yeah, they got headhunted in a similar fashion to Trainwrecky from from Big Brother 17 being recruited on Tinder. Oh, Becky? Yeah. At least Becky was actually panned out as a decent contestant. With Ernest and Jin, I'm surprised that with them hitting on the pit stop greeter and Ernest being fond of being naked. I'm glad that he avoided a really awkward incident at the pit stop. <laughs> we did kind of predict a naked fast forward this like, so no, it, c- it could have happened. It has happened in Brazil before, a couple of times. And they could have easily done, I wonder if there's any rules against them stripping right outright at the at the volleyball detour. Well, naked volleyball has appeared as a fast forward in Hammerots, as I mentioned. But pretty much anything goes in Hammerots. It's, it's like no holds barred over there with the the, with the Israeli version of the Amazing Race, but America, the, like the the core of their Amazing Race audience, is conservative right wing family. So I can see why it wouldn't fly quite as much uh, with them. Quite as much. Nothing would get onto television. Nothing <laughs> at all. It would be censored at or too to, uh, too much legal. Ju- you know, they'd be just. It's a minefield. Americans couldn't do it. Listen, CBS aired a topless double flip-off five and a half years ago. This has happened before. Not in Amazing Race, that, but... That was probes typing up of the first challenge of Heroes vs. Villains. It ends in a spectacular fashion with a topless double flip-off. Ah, sugar. Stay classy. So anything else to add about this leg? You know what they really missed out on with this leg? Especially with, you know, the shots from the helicopter, especially with the Vivellas, were pretty much amazing. Uh, What they really could have done is, you know, do every single action movie out of the past ten years and make teams run through the rooftops of the Vivellas. That should have been mandatory. Oh, what they should have done is put uh, put the clues on top of the Chrysler Redeemer statue, got them to take the helicopter ride over there, and then put a rope ladder down or something. Yes, that would have been slight. That would have been very fast. That would have been very fast and the furious of them. Make it a roadblock. Make them have to climb down the road rope ladder, grab the clue, and climb back up again. Yeah, climb onto all in white swimming costumes. No, at every room they got to remove an item of clothing. You're you're all for the naked thing today, aren't you? Seriously. <laughs> I'm just disappointed that they didn't try and copy Hammerots. I would like Amazing Race US and Amazing Race Canada, for that matter, to just be a little bit more Israeli. It's something that we discussed at length on Friday, is maybe they should take a little bit of inspiration from their crazy neighbours. Just a little bit. It wouldn't work with the Americans. It's just too insane for them. 
Yeah, but stuff like, they're going to Paris this season, which has been revealed, that's not a spoiler for once, I am not spoiling a location. They're going to Paris. When Israel went to Paris a couple of years ago, one side of the details was called Marie Antoinette, where they got them to eat the entire ingredients of a cake, including candles. (laughs) I love it. That's the sort of stuff that they can get away with, because it's not going to kill them, it's just a little bit horrible. They did have to drink the egg as well. Eating the wax, chewing the wax, it would get stuck in your teeth. I was thinking that last night. You'd have to break it into little pieces and just swallow it. Yeah, it, whilst it has some crazy stuff, there are there is some stuff that America could get away with. Maybe not the naked volleyball in Brazil, but stuff like the Marie Antoinette task. Maybe not the burying someone alive in a crate for ten minutes to simulate the actions of the mafia in uh, Vegas. That's the sort of stuff they probably couldn't get away with because it's a little bit insensitive at times. You know what? Well, you know who would have done well with eating the candles. For the ingredients of a cake in uh, Paris, there would have been Homer Simpson because he did so right after a chili eating contest. They can even have Ralph overseeing the task with him saying, No, Mr. Simpson, you don't want to eat that candle, do you? Maybe I do, Ralph. Maybe I do to be on Israeli Amazing Race. So, what you're saying is Hammerots did a crossover with the Simpsons? Yes. Have you noticed that Justin looks at the camera a bit too much during the season premiere? I feel like he talks to the camera like he's he's still really aware of it being there compared to other teams. I mean, it's only the first leg, and I know with people who go on Survivor for the first time, that it takes about three to four to five days to just sort of ignore the cameras. But with Justin, he's always talking directly to it, sort of breaking the fourth wall at times. I think it goes back to them being massive superfans, because he's probably been dreaming about that day for years. Which is why he must have been so emotional the whole time, and then to go from first to last to middle of the pack down to next to last to, you know, having no money. If you want to really punish a superfan, that's the way to do it. Oh, it was was gut-wrenching. It was so gut-wrenching for me. I mean, I tear up at the start of every single race I watch. And it's very sad. But, you know, just 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 thinking about having the opportunity to go on and he's got there and and then all these bad things happen and I was right there with him. Not that I was crying with him, but I was just like, it would be so bad. So what you're saying is if you were on a, a hypothetical Amazing Race Australia 4, you would just... Grant would be shouting at you, you'd just be like, I'm so happy! <laughs> you know what? I have no idea how I would be, because I would be so hyped. The adrenaline would be just ridiculous, and I have no idea whether I'd be crying or happy. <laughs> It'd be tragic. You'd just be absolutely bawling your eyes out. A mess. It wouldn't be good television. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back next Tuesday for another American Amazing Race recap. If you enjoyed the show, and even if you didn't, please give us a like on YouTube and subscribe and rate the episodes on iTunes. And if you want to see what we're rambling about this week, you can tweet us at MJHarmstone, at LogSuperKawaki, and at Bear33333, all of which are spelt in the description everywhere. And if you missed our interview with Michael Michelle from Major Race 26, that's also available on iTunes. And finally, if you are following Celebrity Apprentice Australia, Ben is blogging that all season, which you can find at yatncast at wordpress.com. Thank you again. Bye. Hashtag 250, hashtag super cool wacky, hashtag young cast, hashtag 1.61. Peace. <laughs>